named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello, and welcome back to a full episode of the World Class Agency. My name is Mortwell. I'm joined by Sam Hunter for the first time in a few weeks. Hello, Sam. Welcome. Well, I was going to say welcome back. It's me welcome back, really. But nice to be back together recording the podcast today. Yeah, we're back. Um, not that we haven't talked over the last... It's like... Three weeks, four weeks nearly. It's been um, a long time, yeah. It has been a long time. Um, I've had a, a message from one of the friends of our show, yeah, James Kendall, who said, mate, if you ever need a co-host, just let me know. I'm around. Both <laughs> my hands are in the air. So, he's trying, he's trying to get rid of me. What he Kendall, doesn't know is we'll take that very seriously, you know, and actually maybe we'll get two guest hosts on and you and I can have a Tuesday off together. It's been a while. <laughs> so usually yeah. it's just Christmas yeah, and New Year's Eve week. So, um, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, I, was, I was saying to you off air, coming to you live from my new standing desk, uh, which actually I bought uh, in, I, I ordered it in January 2020 uh, and it <laughs> arrived in our new office, which we didn't take possession of for like a year in April and I unboxed it yesterday. Uh, and now I'm, I'm standing at it. It's very fun. I was having a chat with, with one of our suppliers yesterday and I was making the desk go up and down while I was talking to them. So the child in me is really enjoying it. Hopefully the like uh, energizer bunny will appreciate standing up at work more than slouching and sitting down because I can see my shoulders, my posture getting terrible anyway. So I'm very well. Uh, I feel like Christmas has come early. I'm like a new kid at school. So it's good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Nice and uh, rejuvenated after a couple of weeks off with the family, much needed. Um, to make we were lucky enough to go away as well so lucky lucky to have a bit of sunshine and yeah um, been back a week uh, now feels like a lot longer in, in many ways time flies in a state agency right but yeah mm. really really good um, did us the world of good and ready to push on and, and have a fantastic end, end to the year and I think it's really important that we, we look at that and focus on that because we're going to talk about some stats that you were talking to me about off air August is a really interesting month and loads of people go away um, loads of clients are away and what have you. But I think a good August can set up the end of the year because if you don't do anything in August, in my opinion, then, you know, September is probably going to be really quiet. You miss out on September market. You, you, you're struggling um, to bring it back in October. And I wonder if we will have a bit more of a seasonal market this year. What do you reckon? I think that there's probably every chance of that happening if the right conversations are being had. And there's a danger that we're just going to start repeating the same stuff that we talk about every week. But, you know, we do like spreading a, a very boringly consistent message. Um, and I think actually it's not uh, unexpected that there are less new instructions to, to market in August than perhaps there were in July or, or in June. Actually, I was yep. saying to you before we hit record that I've sort of commissioned a bit of work from a couple of our data guys just to actually compare the month-on-month -month numbers. I think it's really dangerous to look year on year given what's been happening over the last, you know, 18 months coming into two I agree. Years. 
Um, but actually, you can start to see a trend when you look at, at month on month. And um, so I said to them, I, I want to see some numbers on the 1st of September, just so we can understand what August looked like compared to July, um, what July looked like compared to June going backwards. And then also, can we look at what the rest of the year um, might actually have in store for? And, you know, we, we talk in the business now that uh, Q4 is actually September, October, November, not October, November, December, um, <laughs> particularly this year, as last year was a very disjointed holiday season. Um, you know, there weren't really Christmas parties. This year is going to be an absolute belter, you know. Um, <laughs> it's going to so, be a big party, I reckon. Yeah, so, so when you talk about setting up uh, September, genuinely, you've got to list it in September to sell it for Christmas. You know, if people want to be moved for Christmas, they've got to be on the market in September, whether there's a sign out the front or whether it's just a conversation being had between two motivated parties. You've got to be having that in the next six weeks, I think, if you want a realistic chance of having you know, the, the family over to the new house for Christmas. Uh, and so why I think this information is interesting is because we're, we're recording this on the morning of the 17th uh, of August. When we look at the, and I don't have the numbers to hand now, but I did have a little look at it yesterday, new instructions. So we're, we're looking at new instructions, what's gone under offer, uh, what's been reduced and average asking prices effectively. We're just yeah. trying to understand that on a country level and on a regional level and, you know, if anybody was interested in their own town or their own areas, just give me a shout. We can send you some specific stuff as well. But already 17 days into August, if we compare that to Mark's with his hand up. Yep, no worries. You'll get that anyway. Um, numbers, like new instruction numbers uh, are less than what they were um, as of the 17th of July. But I think actually that probably tells the wrong story because there were more people going on holidays on the 17th of July as there were now coming back from holidays the 17th of August. Um, the number of under offer sales are lower as well. Um, so potentially the market is not uh, stalling, but that, that competitive activity is not there because potentially two of the four parties that were making offers are somewhere that's a green country, you yeah. know, and they've booked a Ryanair flight or anything like that. Um, price reductions are up, which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. It just shows that there's a bit of overvaluing going on out there. Um, and, the, and the reality is you've got to be having those tough conversations early. And actually, there's a real opportunity for anyone to nick some good stock off people who aren't having those conversations. Um, and then asking prices. So there was an article that came out yesterday from Rightmove where asking prices had come down um, in their latest index. And, you know, across the board, you've got to look at that and agree with it. But I think there's probably sub-segments of that market. So we're going to dive in a bit deeper and understand what properties are actually being reduced because largely it's going to be flats is my gut feel. Um, yeah. Whereas the good houses, I think, are still doing really well if they're priced even remotely close to what they pro should probably sell for because natural competition will take over. So, yeah, I think there is a bit of a summer market, although it's been a pretty average summer. Um, however, uh, I do I do believe that there are a lot of people who have made the decision to move once they saw what a real market actually looked like. So once the, the stamp duty holiday sort of wrapped up and ended and the sort of second phase is coming to their end now, and they'll have that end of year deadline in their mind as, you know, we wrote 2020 off. We've effectively written 2021 off. You know, when people start talking to me about last year, I still think of 2019. I've sort of PTSD'd my way out of 2020. <laughs> so the conversations that you've got to be having, and I know we're going to talk about the book you're reading in a second, um, but the conversations that you've just got to be having almost all day, every day when you're not in the office now is, you know, 
do you want to move by Christmas? Yeah. You know, or do you want to have, maybe even it's, it's not even do you want to move? It's just like, are you hosting Christmas this year? And if they say no, say, why not? I, you know, it's always been too small. Or would you move to something bigger if you could get it? Because, you know, properties in your road are going for an incredible price right now and getting multiple offers, yada, yada, yada. So you, you've got to be having those conversations and you've got to be understanding where people are in, in, in their journey, I guess, cliches aside, um, to make sure that people understand that it's probably the 17th of September that you've got to be, you know, nice photos, floor plan, decent write-up, good agent. If you're going to be making sure that you get a great offer 10 or 15 days later and that you're conveyed in 100 days from there, solicitors are still going to be busy, right? That's not going to change. That's the reality that's going to be there for a little while longer because they're still working through a backlog. That's what. That's really what I wanted to pick up on, actually, mm. with um, the, the first bit. And I'll, I'll come back to the to the stats in a minute because I think that was really interesting. But talk about Christmas dinner in a new house. Um, Christmas is always, I think, one of the main motivators for people to move in September and October. They become obsessed with being in, in the new house for Christmas. The talk around um, our dinner table, where we're having a Sunday roast this week, was actually around Christmas dinner. And I always say <laughs> to my wife. Why do we talk about it so early? But we surely can't be the only ones that are starting to, to have those thoughts. everyone and... talk about it early? That's, yeah. so that, there's the key message, right? So um, sorry to interrupt your flow, but I think that you've just highlighted on how you can make that conversation so natural, right? So you're not calling yeah. somebody to ask if they're selling their house. You're calling them to tell them that you and your wife are talking about Christmas. And you can say, do you guys talk about Christmas in August? And they'll be like, yeah, we do as well. We've got to get presents for the kids or presents for the grandkids or whatever it is. But it's not just me then. Are you having Christmas at your house this year? No, we're not. Why not? It's too small. Why would you want to move? You know, so you start with finding common ground and then you move forward to, well, I'm a world-class estate agent. I could probably get you more money than anybody else. It's only going to cost you one and a half percent. And that's the, that's the relationship part rather than the transaction part of the conversation. So you, 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 build, you build the relationship there. But what I, what I was thinking, actually, as, this is sad, isn't it? As you're you sat on a Sunday roast, we're having a conversation about Christmas. And my mind immediately turns to a state agency because that's just the way it works. But I'm thinking, if we are not having those conversations with our clients, and actually it's something that we mentioned in our team meeting last week, if we're not having those conversations with clients now. You mentioned conveyances. The, convey the average conveyancing time is now, I think I'm right saying 14 to 16 weeks. Mm. Well, you do the math and, you know, that takes us right up to Christmas. So if you're not having those conversations with people, and I think sometimes a really useful tool at appraisal stage is to get a calendar out and say, right, when do you want to move by? And, and work backwards. So the average time to sell is this, the average conveyancing time is da -da 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 -da, and suddenly you're like, oh, right. And that helps create that urgency if the driver is, to be in by a certain date, whether that's Christmas or Easter or, or whatever that might be, if you can actually educate your clients on how long the, pro the process actually takes and how you need to give yourself enough time to make sure you, you reach the maximum price, then you know it just helps create that urgency. And when people are selling something as big as um, their home, that often isn't a massive urgency because it's such a big decision. So I think part of our education process at the moment, if we're talking to clients at appraisals and they are, you know, using some people say the dreaded C word, you need to be saying that, you know, you need to be on the market at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think actually it's really interesting what you said about the stats. So you said new instructions are down, but that's, you know, 
August to July, I think, is a really difficult time to compare because of holiday season and what have you. And it's um, middle of the month as well, you know. So that's yeah. why we'll, we'll, we'll maybe uh, first podcast we do in September, we'll talk through the actual numbers um, rather yeah, than just think, looking at half month figures and things like that. It'd be, that'd be really interesting, I think. Um, price alignments are up. Now, that is really interesting as well because actually, I think most people, if, if the market is anything like it is around here locally and you know, um, just outside of Preston in the Northwest, we know if a house goes onto the market, if it's too expensive, probably within 12 hours a day mm. max, because you know at the, the market at the moment, there is still a lot of demand, is what I'm experiencing. And um, whilst demand might have dropped a little bit supply hasn't increased so what i'm saying to a lot of our clients if demand demand could probably drop 10 15 percent in my opinion unless supply massively increases prices are going to maintain and and, and stay where they are in in my opinion so i'm really interested in that price reduction we've talked about it before agents and clients pushing it and maybe you know some clients getting greedy on the price so actually maybe that's a um, sign that that's started to happen and maybe prices aren't increasing the way that they the way that they were and mm. um, you've got to be a good agent to be having those conversations and i think at the moment you've got to be having them early because and you've got to be setting them up early as well okay we can try this really premium price but we will know and i've had this conversation with a number of clients recently we'll know within a week if we have, have made a mistake on the price and we'll just have to adjust it because if you wait and people say well we'll just wait but if you wait in this market you know well in this market i think a week's a long time I agree with that. And actually, um, to, to come back to your point before about um, producing a calendar and working to people's um, own deadlines, there's a reason why. So when I was back selling houses, my best quarter of the year used to be Q2, but it was always because it was after you would go to like an ARIC con uh, conference or a Harcourts conference. So you'd come yeah. out of that fired up and you'd implement something and you'd go hell for leather and you'd get something in. My, always without fail, my second best quarter every year was the last one of the year. Um, and I used to think that was probably because I was working to a deadline of I really want two weeks off and I want two weeks off yeah. because and I want to make sure that I've got my listing stacked for the next year so I don't have to think about where my next feed is going to come from while I'm smashing prawn and hams and going for a swim on Christmas Day, right? But actually... And this has only just dawned on me while we're having this conversation. It's because everyone else puts a deadline on themselves. So as much as it probably had a little bit to do with my work ethic, it was also my work ethic lining up with the market, making a decision that they want to move by this. Like, again, I'm one of the world's greatest procrastinators, right? Um, so I remember when I was at uni, I would look at the like assignments for that semester. I'd understand what I need to do. I'd write down their due dates and I would invariably write something that would get me a reasonable grade the night before, <laughs> you know, yeah, or if yeah, I was studying. Yeah, I reckon that's just the way. Yeah, if, if I was studying for an exam, you would find me sitting outside the exam room an hour and a half before with the textbook, looking through all the pages that I'd made a note on but never actually read, eating a couple of bananas to give myself the best chance of just... <laughs> All right, I can commit that to memory. I'll go in there and hopefully multiple choice gets me through it. And there's a bit of critical thinking, but I'm a pretty good writer, so I can sort out. I can, you know, show my working enough to take me get back, by. mate. Take me back. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not alone there. But actually, when you think about uh, procrastination in the property market, how many people I'm an R all year? Oh, we're going to sell this yeah. year. Yep, we're moving this year. Then January comes around. It's raining. It's cold. Everyone's like, I can't be bothered. We're not going to get the best price, right? 
then suddenly something else happens or there's a global pandemic that lasts two years or whatever it is. You know, you roll around, well, we're going on holiday in July. We don't really want to move just before we go away. So whatever it is, right, we'll get it on the market in September or October. Actually, we want to move by Christmas, not knowing how long it might potentially take to either find a buyer or convey. And again, this is where the best agents are actually telling people the truth. It takes a long time to get the legals wrapped up because they're so busy because the market is so busy. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. But it's both our responsibility to make sure that you get what you want. And so they go, right, it's Christmas. We're going to move by Christmas. We're not doing this again next year. We don't want to find ourselves in the same position. We're going now. And so, again, there's a point to communicate with. Have you been putting selling off? You know, how long have you been putting off selling your home? That's a great question. You're going to find some really motivated people who are going to go, oh, Mark gets me. Yeah. You know, Um, because... Strong market, motivated people, deadline to buy and sell, Christmas time. That's a really good recipe for a great result. That's a really good recipe for an excellent pipeline. That's a really good recipe to talk to all the people that you meet that aren't quite ready in November and October. And you say, well, if you want to move by Christmas, it's going to be tight. But actually, there's going to be a hell of a lot of their stock and a lot more motivated people who have missed out for Christmas in January. So should we get you ready to rock and roll? Sign this paperwork today. And you rack and stack everybody from probably the 20th of November into launching everything on Boxing Day or whatever it is. You know, we're already having these conversations about what the busiest day of real estate is on the property portals. And that's because we're trying to encourage everyone who listens to this show to get prepared, to be a bit more organized, to value the time that you spend for the future rather than just today. Yeah, and I think you could you could really grab a, um, people's imagination if, if you call out without having been putting off selling because whilst the market has been fantastic and, and really crazy, there will have been a number of people sat there waiting as you said we've we've spoken to numerous buyers who haven't got involved in the market because they felt that it was an artificial market because of stamp duty they felt prices were um different exactly the same will be said that said of sellers okay not fearful of prices but maybe fearful of buying on or you know fearful of having people in their homes or whatever it might be so i think that that you know is a really important question to be to be having with people and if you are using the calendar that we talked about before or going to implement it it's a fantastic way to talk about the conveyancing process to talk about averages and then also to talk about what you do to bring those averages down within your agency so mm. the average conveyancing time is 14 16 weeks but we recommend that you appoint your system before you go onto the market because we think that that will um bring the average conveyancing down time down 10 to 12 weeks, do, do your pre-contract forms, get that done now as you're going on to the market, do that whilst we're you know, extracting maximum value from the market. So then you, know, you are more likely to move by Christmas and we'll you know, put that into the contract or put that into the sales memorandum. That's what we're looking to do. Um, and I think it just allows you that opportunity to really give you the point of difference whilst also giving the client that you know, urgency, I think that's really important. You want, to, you want to bring urgency into the real estate market, as you say, whether that's, you know, choosing Boxing Day to launch or whatever it is, time's really important. I think the calendar's a fantastic way to, you know, to bring that, that through and bring it to life with people because suddenly you start thinking, as I said, at this time of year, and you can count the weeks to Christmas. And, you know, I don't know what we are, but there's not, there's not that many. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we were saying before, there's, there's three months till December and then there's three weeks of Christmas parties, you know? Um, that, yeah, is, yeah. that is the reality of what's all left of this year. And hopefully that means that we, you know, the world sorts itself out quicker than it might seem for everybody else. But for our industry, there is a finite amount of time to capitalize on the momentum of the last 12, 13, 14, 15 months, you know. Um, and I, I do think that there'll be an adjustment in the market 
you know, people will just get a bit tired of reading reports of property prices soaring. You know, that actually deflates people looking to get into the market after it continues to happen from time to time because they stop seeing the upside and they just see how expensive it's going to be. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'll wait for it to correct itself. We're not there yet, but we will get there at some point, I think, in the new year. So the reality is pick up the telephone and have as many conversations as you possibly can with people about, you know, <laughs> what did I say before? I can't even remember that question, but how long have you been putting off moving house, you know? Have you been putting off time? I wrote it down. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. There's that consistent message again. It comes down to picking up the phone. We can't uh, dictate the market. Um, we can't dictate um, any of that, but actually we can, we can control what we do and how we react in, in that market. Um, yeah. But I really wanted to talk, talk to you um, about a book by Gary Keller that I've just started reading, admittedly, um, over the last few days. Bought a Kindle to, to go on holiday, and now I'm like, right, I used to think I was a book person, but now it's much easier to read off the Kindle. So I'm like, right, we need to, I need to try and get this more habitual part of my life. So um, loads of people have said, have said about reading um, The One Thing by Gary, Gary Keller. And I started reading it and, then, and I thought, oh my God, how does an estate agent do one thing? And, I'm, and I've been just thinking about it as I was coming into work this morning and thinking, this is me. I'm doing a bit of everything, if I'm being perfectly honest and need to try and really concentrate on one thing. So I was wondering, is it a book that, that you've read? Um, and if so, how do you think estate agents can try and concentrate on just one thing when there are so many plates spinning? I think that's one of the fantastic things about this, this job, but I think it's also a massive challenge. So good question. Um, difficult one, but probably a really simple question to answer because I've read that book, but um, I really... A difficult question to put in place because you do always feel like you're being drawn in one direction or another um, and it's that is just the reality of um, estate agency unless you are employed as a negotiator or a valuer or something like that where generally you do have one role you've got a call out and viewings or you've got uh, follow-ups and valuations you know or if you're an area manager you've got reprimanding and culture building probably in that order for some companies two things. Um, there was every everything there was two things there some yeah i guess but it's it's the same sort of thing your job is to get an yeah. offer your job is to get yeah. an instruction you know your job is to slap people on the wrist for not doing five property viewing tours uh, right that's and, it, and so on it escalates up the route you know um, and i find this with ourselves at the moment it's, I don't have one thing to focus on now. Um, and I probably don't do as well in all the things that I do focus on because of that. But yeah. I think you, you earn the right. And that's probably the one thing that's missing from that book is you've got to earn the right to focus on that one thing. So you've got to have a business where you can put in structure and people around you to allow you the time to prospect. And that is that one thing, build relationships, you know, um, at least that's what I took out of that book as well. Your job is, is business generation People need to know your name and what you can do for them. And it's up to them as to when they decide to engage with you. But we were talking about this with our, not, not based on, on the book, but about um, in our account management team the other day, you know, um, it's, it's, I mean, our, our team is incredibly busy, you know, and there is an element of being um, understaffed in there because of the, the sort of way that we've grown over the last few months. But we also don't, manage our time as well as we could um so we have 
set elements that we've got to be doing with people and we'll always run over because we're trying to add in more service and we're not just setting and managing expectations well enough of ourselves and of our clients as well um it's not a, a terribly bad thing because actually it results in really strong customer service from their perspective but actually it results in kind of frazzled rushed people internally as well and i don't think that's a very good thing for the people or for the business uh, long term yeah. everyone can have a mental day or a rush today every now and again. But if you're doing it five days a week, 12 months a year, that's not really good for anybody, you know? So no. um, one of the one things, and this comes back to the horrible procrastination, right, that I was talking about before, that one of the one things I took from that book, and actually I'm really cautious of now, and it's, we do a really good job on this podcast of actually managing our time phenomenally well. You know, our day kicks off on a Tuesday at 8 a.m not 7.59, not 8.01, and we wrap up by 8.45 because you and I have got to start the rest of our workday right then, yep. you know? Um, and we do we do a really solid job of that. Do I do uh, as sort of militant job of that and everything else? Definitely not, you know? Um, but that's probably more of a choice of mine than I would care to admit. And I think, you know, one of the one things that if you are an estate agent, and you're doing multiple things. So you're listing, you're selling, you're doing viewings, you're looking at a PL, you know, you're recruiting, you're training people, and there are going to be people listening to this show. You know, there are people who've been guests on the show recently who've been listening to that going, yeah, that's me. You know, yeah. then your one thing's got to be time management. You know, yeah. and you manage your time so well enough, and you manage your systems and your processes so well enough that you get to a point where actually you can hand off some of those things to somebody else so that. You can bring, and this is this is the conversation I have internally now. Is if we just managed our time even five percent better, we would put one hour back into our day every day on top of an actual break at some point. You know, couple that with oh, some right. strong recruitment and everything like that, and suddenly life gets a little bit easier. So it, yeah, for me, when when it's it's so easy to be like, oh, your one thing's got to be prospecting. You know, and I talk about make 20 phone calls a day. That became my mantra because I had other things to do. You know, had I stayed and built a bigger business where I had, you know, two buyers, agents, an admin assistants, and somebody who could help me co-list, then my one thing every day would have been going to appointments. That's all it yeah. would have been, you know. But my job is to go and list more stock, you know. When I was a PA, uh, Bruce, who did a really good job, my one thing was booking appraisals. That was all I was tasked to do. Here's your call sheet for the day. I'm going to look at it at the end of the day. And X means they didn't answer. A line means they did answer. And if they booked evaluation and got a tick and a time, that was literally my life for two years, right? Just X, 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 line, line, time, over and over and over again. And so that teaches you a bit of discipline. And, you know, I, I probably could have done more calls. It wasn't the most exciting of work. Um, but... I think if, if you're if you're worrying about spinning too many plates, then just time management is is the one thing that you should be really focused on. Um, and then recognize. I, I had a conversation with a guy yesterday. He said that he's he said I have deep psychological problems about an addiction to work. He's like I physically cannot come away from work. And I was like, man, I've been there. You know, um, to a point. I, I apologized to a guy yesterday for not replying to him on a Sunday. And he's like, never reply to me on a Sunday. It's Sunday. You know um and i was like yeah i get that but and so if you can manage your time a little bit better it becomes easier to then step away because you've put that step away time in there you know if you diarize time off as as like lame and boring as that sounds it almost gives you permission 
to do so. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be my sort of advice. If you can't bring people in to help spin some of those plates, is just manage those time and accept that there's always going to be more to do, and you're just to the next day and the next day and the next day. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? The acceptance and the the prioritization. And unfortunately, when you are running an agency as a as a business owner, you have the power to choose whatever your one thing might be. So it might be that you're looking at time management now, and that's you know, really good advice. You were very kind to say that I'm always here at bang eight o'clock because it's normally one or two minutes past eight. <laughs> um, but I think if you if you can once you've mastered that, you can then move on to the next one thing. And I think from from starting the book, which I'm enjoying and um, it's sort of a bit of an eye opener. It's going to just say that once you've nailed that one thing, then you can move on to nail the the, the next most important thing. And it's really interesting talking about to do lists saying to-do lists are the devil because you end up doing things that are just trivial. And I thought that was quite interesting. I always try and prioritize my to-do list, which hopefully takes that element out of it. But um, just quickly before we go on that, because I've literally just read that chapter this morning on, on to-do list, is that what your team would, would do and what, what you do personally, a to-do list, or do you focus on one task at a time? How, how do, you, do you sort of manage the the workload if successful or otherwise <laughs> so the listeners can't see this but i'm holding up my one page a day diary to you which uh, i have split into every every day every page is split into three separate sort of categories i guess so it's an a4 diary it's like a 2021 uh, one page per day and it's got a line down the middle and then the right-hand column is separated into two. The top of the right-hand column is professional to-do. So that is my to-do list for today. If it's in there, it gets done. And when it gets done, it gets crossed off. Um, the rule that I have for myself is what is in this diary, not the stuff that happens on email, the stuff that goes in my calendar, but I still run a paper diary because it sort of commits it to, I'm going to take action on that today. So I do run yeah. a really strict to-do list. Um, there is stuff in there that perhaps is trivial if I'm being, you know, really um, hard on myself as well. Um, but I also don't want to forget it. it's not trivial to the customer, you know. No, no, absolutely. Um, it might be trivial yeah, in the grand scheme of building a business, but I have a trouble letting go. And if I say to somebody I'm going to call them on the 17th of August and the last time I spoke to them was in March, and I'm, I'm going to do that. So it goes in there. Um, the bottom of that column is personal to do. So that's, you know, stuff to do with friends or family, or if I need to do something for somebody else, I want to do something for myself. If I need a reminder to buy a Christmas present or a birthday present or whatever, that goes there. And then on the left-hand side, is just appointments that I have in for the day as well. So that mimics my digital calendar. Just so I've always got something in front of me. I don't have to click on a tab or I don't have to open my phone. This thing comes with me everywhere, you know? Um, it becomes a notebook. I, it was just, again, it was something that I was taught and it works really well for me. I, I'm forever trying to get my team to do this. <laughs> and I've learned that people work in their own ways. Some people have to-do lists on their emails. Some people don't like to do this, but this, this diary is my Bible and I wouldn't be without it. And it's, you know, I've been doing it for a decade. I think I'll do it forever. Can I ask then, um, and before, before we roll, so anything on your to-do list gets done what about carryover? You must have some some tasks that end up getting carried over to the next day, surely. You don't start uh, every new day with no no tasks. Um, no, no. So there'll be tasks in here. So I, I added something in here this morning uh, for tomorrow because I didn't want to pile stuff on today when I already have enough that's in there. And it was it was I a sort of right, okay. non-urgent task to be having a look at, right? 
Um, I've just noticed in my today to do list today, I have two of the same thing. So clearly, I'd written something down to remind myself. And then this morning, I was like, oh, I've got to do that today, not knowing that I already had it written in there. So what a great start for the day, already achieving <laughs> something like that. So, uh, and and not not to make this point sound overly trivial as we sort of wrap this up, but there is uh, a, there is genuinely a sense of satisfaction in crossing stuff off. Uh, to do list, I, I think it's it's really important. And I've heard people talk about they make done lists, not to do lists. So they yeah, write down darling. everything they've done for the day. Um, I don't want to rely on my memory. I think I've got a reasonably strong memory. I don't want to rely on my memory to get everything that I need to achieve done every single day. I would rather understand what I've set out for myself that day, big or small. I don't do a good enough job of prioritizing it. So there are the thing that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh on my list is the most important thing that I need to do today. It is my one thing. It should be at the top of that list. But the top of the list was something that I wrote in there literally from March. The second on the list was something that went in there three and a half weeks ago. The third is a potential client follow-up, you know. So uh, the fourth is something that's not due till next week, but I've set it in a week to do so you know I, I i will look at that list and i won't do them necessarily in the order in which i've written them but potentially i should be looking at prioritizing them and writing that down to make sure that i eat my frog before 8 45 every morning i always asterisk the um urgent ones in, in my to do list. I've, I've not done it consistently but i've tried it to start list, and it is quite good at the end of the day just take a few minutes and um go through that but i couldn't be without my to do list so it'd be interesting to see um, where we go before before the end of the book but um Interesting insight, interesting chat about Christmas and hopefully the listeners have been able to take something um, away from that that they can go and implement straight away in their appraisals or in the conversations with buyers and sellers um, over the next few weeks. Um, we'll be back with a guest next week. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it improve and get better. If you do indeed like what you hear on, on these episodes, please share them on social media and encourage anybody that you know within the industry to listen. Um, I'm Mark Worrell, he's someone we've been back together after a few weeks off. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you again next week.